0: Hey everyone, welcome to my latest Mike on Audio podcast. I am here with Enno Vandermeer. He is the founder of Rune Labs. How are you doing, Enno? Very well, thanks. How are you doing, Mike? Oh man, it, it's I'm just excited to have you on here because it's very rare that I have someone on here of, of a product I actually use on a daily basis. So this is kind of cool, <laughs> you know. Great. Thank this you. is cool to talk about uh, something that a lot of people use on a daily basis. In fact, so. Uh, I want to get just dive right into it and uh, ask you, how did the idea for Rune come about and what inspired you to create it?
1: Um, actually, the idea came about long before Rune, actually. It's, it's, it's you know, like back in the nineties, I think when, you know, iTunes came along, we started ripping CDs and everything. It was like, it was like this new frontier, you know, you went from having CDs on your wall to suddenly you could rip them and you could have access to all your music in one place and that was so exciting except for the fact that I mean I don't know if you if you you know remember iTunes or what it was like in those days it was Mm -hmm. um, it was like looking at your music kind of in a spreadsheet it was just a list of tracks and whatever else so you you know that that moment at that moment I think I and a bunch of other people realized that wait, there's something that's been taken away by going this, you know, we don't have liner notes anymore. We don't have the album cover, we don't have the sleeve. We don't have that other part of the experience. that's not just the listening, you know? So I used to sit and listen to a CD and read through the booklet as I did. And it was a whole other layer of stuff that I got to learn about the music, about who performed it, about the lyrics and where it was recorded, all that kind of stuff. So that was the, that was the aha moment that long predated room. Um, And actually, the first iteration that we made was a product called Sulus. Um, uh, We made that and sort of started that in 2004. But that was before there were smartphones or streaming services or any of that kind of stuff. So it was actually a hardware product where had a big touch screen on it and had storage units and streamer units. It was a very similar idea to Rune, quite a lot simpler. um, But it was insanely expensive because it was all this gear that you had to buy. Um, So we ended up... I mean, that was the original idea. We did that for a few years. Um, and then that company was acquired by Meridian Audio in the UK, where we continued that for a few years. Um, and then when we left, we you know the world had sort of changed. Suddenly, everyone's got a phone and a tablet and streaming services are everywhere. And we thought, OK, we can do that same thing, but we can do it completely in software, so it doesn't have to cost $13,000 or whatever Sulu's cost. And you know it can be accessible to way more people, and we can do a lot more with it now. Mm-hmm. So that, that was sort of the the genesis. What year did you actually release Rune? Uh, that was in two thousand fifteen. Okay. So yeah, we're coming up on eight years exactly. So,
0: so you had several years of R and D uh, under your belt to be able to you know uh, make sure everything was perfect, and you know as far as I can tell, and from my user experience, it's it's going quite well. Um, can you walk us through uh, key features of Rune and what sets it apart from other music management
1: systems? Uh, Sure, absolutely. I think there are, I mean, we think of it as having these three key aspects, um, each of which have their own differentiators. So the first one is the, you know, how Rune presents music to you. Um, Fundamentally, Rune will... And it will scan all your files and, you know, identify all the music that you have on a hard drive or SSD. It'll also hook up to streaming services like Tidal and Cobuzz. So you can sort of mix and interleave your files and your streaming content. That was one big sort of differentiator that you can have those in the same place. Um, and then, then Rune layers on. Having identified all that music, Rune layers on a ton of rich metadata on top of it. And that really is what forms the the backbone of the browsing experience, is putting all the metadata back that we lost that I talked about earlier. So that when you look at an album, you see not just the track titles, but also the credits who performed on it. you can go and browse the biographies of each of those, not only the main artists, but also all the sidemen, and the producers, and engineers, and songwriters, and everyone who is involved in those albums. So the, the browsing experience is really about, it's all the information about the music. That's the thing that Rune adds on the, so that's the sort of music experience uh, part of it. The second component is once you've got that library and you're able to browse it that way, how do you play it back? Um, When we started Rune, really the only mechanism, well, there were probably only two widely used mechanisms for getting audio from a PC to a device that made sound. Um, And those were UPnP, which um, was widespread, but variable in terms of how well it worked, let's say. Um, And then there was AirPlay at the time. Um, And there were more kind of streaming protocols coming along. But what we said when we started Rune was the, the dream was Rune should work with everything. If you have a device, an audio device of any kind, Rune should be compatible with it. So the second kind of aspect is that if you have a device in your house that makes noise somehow, Rune can play music to it. That's the goal. Whether that's via AirPlay or Chromecast or Squeezebox, all those protocols that are out there, or um, the other part of it that was really kind of key is developing our own streaming protocol called Rune Advanced Audio Transport. So we developed a streaming protocol and an sdk that we gave to we still do give it to audio manufacturers to implement in their products that's what we call rune ready so if you buy a streaming dac for example and it's rune ready you plug it into your network rune will see it the icon you know the device icon pops up in rune it knows how to configure itself to you know in a way that's optimal for that device and then they work as if they were you know made to work together that's the objective so compatibility not just with one kind of audio device, but with pretty much everything. That's the second main differentiator.
0: Nice. Um, I, I actually have a device a device right here that is being uh, certified for oh, yeah. Rune readiness right now. A lot of people are anticipating that. Actually, a lot of people uh, aren't buying it until it is Rune ready. I've heard that uh, a lot in the, in the comments and stuff. Uh, I just did a review on this device. I, I found it to be quite nice, uh, especially for the price point.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it's been all over the place lately.
0: I mean, I, I reassured people. I mean, there's, uh, I'm pretty confident that you know you guys are going to certify it. It just people don't understand. There's a process that goes to it because you guys are probably getting hundreds and hundreds of of devices to to certify. You know, and I could see how that could be overwhelming. Is yeah, that yeah? The- it's
1: it's tricky, and and it's. Imp- I mean, I, I really hope that people understand this idea that um, the whole certification idea was we designed the certification process in response to the fact that protocols like UPnP don't have any kind of centralized certification. So our experience using UPnP devices was you plug it in, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, some days they work, sometimes they, some days they don't. It, it was, you know, it was really unpredictable. So we thought if we can come up with this kind of certification process, we can we can sort of, we can mandate how these devices should work with Rune what we want in the end, the goal is for normal people to buy an audio device, plug it in, and to have it work like magic without having to do a bunch of configuration and to work reliably and state, you know, and to be stable. That's something that another thing that we we didn't have a lot of, you know, back in in the early days was stability. You know, devices would kind of be flaky, they'd come and go. The whole idea of making such a rigorous certification process is that that never happens with a room ready device. So, Rune
0: has a unique user interface and experience. Uh, can you tell us more about the design philosophy behind it? Because uh, I, I find it to be very robust, easy to use, but it, it also has—it's funny because it looks simple on on the, you know, on the on the front on the front face of it, right? But then you got so much integration inside of it and so many features, but it's not—it doesn't have that fancy, fancy schmancy pizzazz that a lot of other UIs have. So what was what was the design philosophy behind all that?
1: Well, it, I mean, it's obviously uh, it's it's very metadata heavy, and in fact, mm. it's metadata driven. That's the whole idea: is that um, we wanted the the browsing paradigm not to be about files and folders, and so the the old file based players like WinApp and iTunes and that sort of thing. They, they gave you what looked like you're looking at your hard drive. Basically, it was a list, maybe nested folders. You'd drill down, you'd play something, you'd back out again, you drill it down into the next thing. Um, that was the kind of interaction on the file-based players. And on the streaming apps, generally what you see is that, you know, this, all the streaming services have whatever it is, 60, 80, 100 billion tracks, some outrageous number of, of tracks. And so how do you browse? Where do you start? Typically, what people do is they'll open up the app on their phone, they'll search for something that they have in their head, and they'll play it, and they'll kind of go from there. Maybe they'll search some more and whatever. We wanted to create this kind of experience where Rune is always presenting stuff to you that's going to be interesting. So if you say, I've got one song in mind right now, I'm going to go listen to it, then Rune's going to show you not just that song, it's not just going to play you the song, it's going to show you the album that it's on. It's going to show you all the people that were involved in it. So it's going to give you sort of a 100 jumping off points to explore from there. Um, in the streaming world, they call this problem the tyranny of choice. You've got so much to listen to, you don't know where to start. and that's the that's the main problem that we try to solve in terms of the browsing experience is that we want to show you the music that you already know and that you love, mm. and then show you things that are kind of related to that uh, stepwise so that you know, it's it's there there's always a sensible place to go explore. And in fact, that's what our feedback very often is is that, people start binge listening, you know, they'll go listen to an album that they know really well. And they'll say, Oh wait, look at that other thing that that bass player also played on. I'm going to go check that out. And they'll sit on the sofa with an iPad controlling Rune and just, you know, in the same way that you binge watched on Netflix, they will just oh, one oh, one more album, one more track, one more, you know, they'll just kind of keep doing that.
0: I think that's something uh, very endearing because I think that, you know, in the landscape we're in, there's so many options, right? There's so many options with streaming, with with all these other things. And I find a lot of people also uh, kind of gravitate towards Spotify because of the discovery features, you know, because of their, their powerful AI um, and the, their ability to sometimes nail it when it comes to their, you know, recommended playlists and stuff like that. And that's something that I feel... You know, Tidal, Quobuz, Deezer, all these other guys are good at, but haven't, you know, stepped up to the plate like Spotify has. Now, when it comes to uh, artificial intelligence, what role do you think AI and machine learning play in the future for, you know, music creation and recommendations within Rune Or or is there AI already going?
1: there there is there, we've been we've had uh, machine learning infrastructure since i want to say uh, version 1.7 which would have been late 2019 um, and what we decided to do was um, prior to that rune had been completely metadata driven and that 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 meant that when you're browsing rune you would always get something sensible because we wouldn't show you we wouldn't recommend something to you if it wasn't connected via either songwriters or performers or producers or some, you know, informational kind of connection that join those things up. So that would always be very sensible. The thing is, it wouldn't go very far afield with machine learning. You typically use an approach that says you've got a much larger training data set, many, many more listeners. And what you're saying is people who listen to things like you listen to also listen to this other stuff. And they use a you know technique called collaborative filtering to kind of to get you recommendations like that that are not metadata-driven. So the, what we decided to do was develop a system that we, we call Valence now. And it sort of encompasses not only our metadata services, but also our new machine learning. So what we do is we say, we will make recommendations using Um, a couple of different dimensions. So we'll use collaborative filtering to say other people like you listen to stuff like this. But then we'll also kind of filter that down and say, but within that stuff, here's the the sort of some percentage of that that you're more likely to, to be interested in because it's also connected to the other music in your library via metadata connections. So we try to use these different layers. And then all of that then goes through what we call a taste profile, which is what we understand about you as a listener, based on what's in your library, and also what you listen to, whether that's inside your library or not. That gives us kind of a fingerprint of who you are and and, and what you like. Now there's, I mean, you're absolutely right. Spotify is kind of out in the forefront of this. They've been blazing the trail and they've done some amazing work. Um, we think, I mean, there's always a lot of tuning to do to get this just right. You know, there's a, mm-hmm. it's a very fine line between a great recommendation and a, total clam of a recommendation. you know so the the idea is um, do I want something that's going to challenge me as a listener? Do I always want to see the stuff that's in my comfort zone? you know we tend to take the view that it's somewhere on that border right I like to be I like music that I love, but I also like my boundaries to be pushed a little bit because that's how I'm going to discover new stuff. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's this constant game of tuning to get to that to that to that sweet spot. Um, and I don't know that there's a single sweet spot, but this is a, this is an ongoing game. Um, so yeah, we've had that, that valence infrastructure since 2019, and that's something that we're constantly working on to uh, analyze more aspects of the music, to take into account, for example, um, starting to think about how to take into account the way music sounds, not just its metadata, not just what other people think of it, but do these things sound? So there's, there's a million techniques, um, and it's a little bit like, you know, I think for our, for our engineering team it's a little bit like being kids in a candy store where it's like, there's so many things that we could try and Mm. we're constantly kind of trying new ones to see what works, but this is very much the future, I think.
0: Yeah. Artificial intelligence is, is getting to the point where it's pretty, pretty intimidating and scary. Uh, Just even with, you know, chat GPT and all these other, all these other services that are coming out now with Google doing the Bard thing. And I'm just kind of curious how all that is going to play out and integrate with you know with music services so uh could because it the sky could be the limit really you know it's really interesting interesting times we're living in um can you share any upcoming features or improvements that rune users can look forward to
1: um, we don't generally talk too much about what's coming. I will say that um, on our we've got a community site that's very very active I and mean, tons of our users are active there and that's really I mean we kind of try to keep our finger on the pulse there in terms of what people are looking for I mean I'll give an example of um, recently last September we we did a, our 2.0 release that included a new companion app called rune Arc uh, the idea of that is it's a phone app that you can use when you're out on the go. So Rune is very sort of focused on the home. It allows you to do multi-room streaming and that sort of thing inside your house. But especially if you have a file library, taking that on the go was always kind of a, you know, that was a challenge. People tended to use Rune at home, and then they'd use the title app, for example, when they're out of the house. Um, The idea of Arc, that that was a feature set that was our number one most requested feature for probably the two years leading up to the time that we released it. The idea is that you can have your phone with you, you can be out in the world somewhere and still access your music library from home. Um, And I mean, that was a huge, huge step. Because I mean, it was an aha moment, even for me, the first time I tried it was like, I was in my car and this sort of, you know, I had always made do with the stuff that was built into my car, and it was fine. Um, But suddenly to have all of my stuff organized the way I like it with all of my playlists and my tags and all that sort of stuff in my hand in the car was a very, very different experience. So that, that was that's an example of, of us kind of following what, you know, what the, what the community is asking for. We're always keeping an eye on that.
0: That's incredible. Um, I actually hadn't tried it because I was always kind of conditioned to knowing, you know, ruins a home thing. You know, right. I actually didn't know about Arc, so that's bad on me. But, uh, no, no, yeah, it's, that hey, is really it's cool. Hard. That so you can literally access uh, your core from anywhere now.
1: Yeah, that's right. So it works a couple of different ways. Um, if you're if you're out on the world on a on a network, either a cellular network or on a Wi-Fi network somewhere, you can access your core at home. So mm-hmm. if I'm on vacation and I don't have that one album that I'm dying to listen to today, I can just stream it from home or I can download it from home right onto my phone. Um, wow. If you're completely disconnected, like you're on a plane or something, before you leave home, you can sync a bunch of content onto your phone. So you can take those files, sync them from your core onto your phone. And now when you're on the on your plane, you've got that subset of your library, whatever your phone can can hold. That's
0: rad. And that that brings me to another gripe I have about about cell phones is that they took away the micro SD capabilities out of most of, well, Android for sure. I don't think I yeah, iOS has never had it, but right. that makes me so mad. You know, I actually just released a video yesterday on or this morning on uh, how to you know, improve your Android to you know play better because they're they're the, the, the situation they're in with with the C if you're using just a pass-through dongle, the, the mess they got going on in there with their deck and all that stuff. It just, it does not sound that great. So I, I wanted to give my listeners or my audience something, you know, some tips and tricks and hacks to better their quality. And your rune was actually one of the things I brought up. You should I,
1: definitely I, check out Arc for that purpose. I mean, that is the use case right there. You just nailed it. That's that's exactly the use case we're after. So yeah, I found that the,
0: the resampling they're doing inside these phones is horrible. You know, I, I actually, I have a little, dongle I don't don't know where I put it there's a little dongle that I use a little DAC and headphone amp dongle from periodic audio Um, you know my good buddy Dan Wiggins created that and it's night and day when you compare it to you know the pass-through dongles the pass-through dongles are are dreadful you know so uh, I really enjoyed that video because I got a chance to kind of step away from you know the, the the review stuff and kind of help people out you know hopefully a lot of people have that question, <laughs> but um, on, a, on a different note, um, how has Rune managed to strike a balance between catering to audiophiles and casual music listeners? Because I think that in the beginning, you guys had a primary primary base of, of, you know, very discerning audiophiles that this was an audiophile thing. And now it's starting to become more of an everybody thing. So how did you strike that balance in between the two?
1: It's interesting. I mean, if, if I'm being completely honest, my background was more from the music side than the audio side. I feel like the audio expertise is something that we kind of picked up over, you know, over our journey through Sulus and Meridian and all of that. Um, you know, I, my background actually, my first job out of school was at a recording studio, so I came from the kind of pro audio world. Um, really just out of a love of music. And so th- the objective has always been, let's get room to the point where it's it's for music lovers and audiophiles. I mean, obviously audiophiles are music lovers, but you know, like among my social circle, there's tons and tons of music fans who are not really dyed-in-the-wall audiophiles. So the goal has always been let's get to that point. Um, as a young company, we had to be sort of pragmatic and say, where, you know, where's an audience that we can reach? That's going to understand our value proposition, and that was audio files to start because we came from Meridian, we knew that world, that sort of very high-end world pretty well. Um, you know, we went to the trade shows, we knew a lot of the dealers, so that was it was a sensible place to start. But our objective has always been to branch out to get in to get in front of music fans.
0: That's awesome, uh, you know. And this is something that you and I discussed prior to the to the stream was the and we're talking value proposition. The before you did. monthly you know pay structure you had a you know lifetime subscription right and that for a lot of people was a huge investment so what made you guys do the the monthly pay structure
1: well we let's let's if we start at the beginning originally we had annual subscription and lifetime and the idea of the lifetime really was that um it's just something that people in the audiophile world wanted and it all you know it compared to what a what a a typical audiophile will spend on their hardware that lifetime you know that lifetime subscription wasn't really that outrageous it was also kind of comparable to what was in the world when we started if you looked at amara their top level of player was also in that same kind of price range um so we said we need the lifetime for people who want to just buy it and own it and they're they're all in um the annuals for people who kind of wanted to try it before you know before try before you buy kind of thing um and monthly is just because even the annual is you know it's still it's 149 a year right now so it's still you know it's still kind of a big nut for a lot of people especially if you've never really tried it so the the monthly was kind of let's let people you know get a taste of it and see how you know see what they think of it um in terms of the the idea of the subscription when we started it was still pretty new like adobe had just gone subscription and microsoft was just going subscription philosophically, the idea of subscription really kind of worked for us because I feel like it's a very honest relationship between a software developer and its users in the sense that every whether it's every month or every year, your subscription comes up for renewal. If we haven't done our jobs, and the product isn't doing what you need, you get to vote with your wallet, right? You don't have to stick around, you haven't invested 1000s in something, you know, it's not like a component that you can't get rid of. It's you know, we have to earn that money every month or every year is kind of how I look at it. So it feels like a, like a healthy relationship.
0: That, that is a great way to look at it because, you know, you, you give the people the power, you know, and obviously if someone does a monthly thing and says, okay, this is something I could see myself using indefinitely, then they'll probably switch over to the lifetime subscription and, and just be done with it. And, and, and yeah, we a, do
1: see a lot of that people will come do a monthly for a few months and then they'll 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 go to an annual cuz they can save whatever it is you know 20 30% going to an annual subscription um and then some people do end up going in for the lifetime
0: absolutely which i i expect you guys to be around until you know we're all old and gray which is great um, and <laughs> the way technology's going god knows what rune's going to be up to <laughs> you know 10 years down the road um what are some of the biggest trends you've actually observed in the music industry and how do you think they'll impact Rune and its users in the future?
1: Trends in the music industry. That's interesting. Um, well, th- I, I feel like there's, there's one trend, not so much on the audio side, but on the music side, that um, you know, it used to be that there were, there were just not that many artists out there. You know, When I was growing up, there were, you know, there was a roster of 50 artists that would be on the radio and releasing records actively. Whatever. It just wasn't that much stuff. And the, the fact that the tools on the creator side have become much less expensive. I mean, today you can make an album on a laptop, which you certainly couldn't do in the 80s and 90s. So there's a lot more music being produced. And so it isn't sort of like everyone listens to the same 10 artists. You know, music has become fragmented but in a good way there's a lot more being produced i mean i will have people come up to me and say my favorite artist is so and so and it's someone i've never heard of that Mm -hmm. was unthinkable 20 years ago you know everyone knew what everyone everything was um so i think that's a really interesting phenomenon the 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 way music is being discovered is different used to be that you listen to the radio and if you liked a song you went and you bought the album that whole dynamic is gone now it's Mm -hmm. like every day you wake up there's 100 million things you could listen to so the whole way that we discover music the way we find favorite things they're they're way more niches than there ever were so the, it's sort of like the long tail has become has sort of has grown and has become amplified i think it's a really interesting phenomenon
0: can you imagine how many um how many actual artists we missed out on in the 80s yeah. and because of the lack of discovery right so i mean we we go on online now we go on you know wh- wherever we go to discover music and we find we could we have you know tens and hundreds of thousands at our fingertips and it's super easy to just kind of go through the motions and find new music that you like but back in the 80s like you mentioned it was you know those the, the top billboard you know top 50 top 100 your michael jackson's your madonna's yep. it, it it's almost like the the um Music, music production companies were picking like the creme de la creme, you know, the the group of the recording artists, and putting them on, right? Which is fine, which is great. It made the radio way better than it than it ever was. But I I'm actually kind of bummed that there are probably so many indie bands back then that were just awesome to listen to. Yeah, and we, we never got a chance to hear them. No, they never. never
1: got a deal because the economics were such that you couldn't. You couldn't produce a record, much less you know distribute it, without the help of of a label, mm-hmm. um, and that has completely changed. I think that may be the single most exciting thing that's happening. I mean, I, f- I find myself going down rabbit holes, like maybe not daily, but pretty close, where I'm discovering artists that I've never ever heard of and I genuinely really like. Uh, it's it's amazing.
0: Now, do you do any does Brune or yourself do anything to work with artists to? You know, to do anything with them, to to collaborate with them in any way, we you, haven't what?
1: yet. But I feel like that's that's a way that we'd like to go because you know, in the past, in the same way that you could only make a record with a label's help, you could also only market a record with a label's help. That's mm-hmm. another thing that's shifting. Um, I think we have, we've got an aspiration to be able to work to give artists a platform where they can they can sort of describe themselves, they can present themselves to listeners the way they like. And that's something, that's another whole set of tools that there's quite a lot of buzz about that in the industry right now. I mean, artists are saying, well, you know, Spotify sort of represents me this way or pigeonholes me that way or only puts my track on this playlist and that playlist. And so I'm not, I don't have the reach that I'd like to have. I feel like that's another trend that's coming. Um, we don't have anything like that yet, but that's certainly an aspiration.
0: Um, one one company I think is actually doing a pretty good job about helping out the artists' is Bandcamp. Um, they've kind of integrated a. It's, it's kind of like a Shopify. <laughs> uh, it's like Shopify and iTunes got married, right? So I, I don't know if you've heard of Bandcamp yet, but oh, yeah, uh, yeah the, they. It's just an awesome indie platform that you know puts on a lot of artists and allows them to sell their music and their CDs and their records, and I think it's pretty cool. And I wish there were more of that. And is are there any plans to possibly? integrate some kind of marketplace within rune to be able to do that for the artists
1: there's no imminent plan that's definitely an idea that we've kicked around and actually we've talked to bandcamp as well i mean that to me bandcamp is one of the it's one of the coolest indicators of, of industry trends in the sense that most of that content you can go stream it for free somewhere but mm-hmm. people are choosing to say i want to support this artist i know that 90 or whatever that number is it's a it's a good percentage of whatever I spend is going straight to the artist. It creates this this sort of artist fan relationship, which is something that I think we're all kind of after in a way. That's something that another thing that was inaccessible back in the you know, in the in the heyday of the record business. There was no way to have a connection directly to an artist right now. I go buy something on Bandcamp. I get an email from the artist now. I Mm. mean, it's it's a canned email, whatever else. But there is a connection there that never existed before. It's very cool
0: yeah, because back in the day, artists were untouchable. you know, you you sent your fan letters, your fan mail, you know, exactly. maybe maybe a PR agency got back to you or whatnot. But the fact that and and there actually are, uh, you know, mainstream some mainstream artists on bandcamp, which I think is really cool, well, mainstream for me, because uh, i'm I always like obscure things. but um, you know, I mean, obviously the the super, super, you know a listers aren't usually messing around with that because obviously it'd be just a PR agency. There's no, like you said, connection between, between, you know, the super elite and and just us people, but
1: um, well, yeah. Artists have to, they, they have to look for, uh, certainly indie artists have to look for new ways to connect with audiences, whether that's social media or that's touring um, there, are, you know, that relationship has changed and the places where you get access to an audience and where an audience gets access to an artist that's shifting. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. It's
0: a cool trend. Yeah. One, one thing I've, I have noticed is that you guys have implemented a lot from the community, you know. So, you know, do you feel the community does have a super big impact on shaping the development of, of, of future features and stuff like that? Because I know we kind of touched on that, but I kind of wanted to go dive deeper into that. Because in the forums and all that, people are always... Everybody, everybody turns into an engineer, right? Yeah. So, sure, sure.
1: <laughs> um, and there, but- and there are a lot of big opinions, which is great. That's what communities are for. Um, you know, I would say the answer is yes and no. We, we look, we look there to kind of take a temperature on what people feel they need, what kinds of features they want. I mean, there are times though where there just there are f- sort of philosophical differences. The, the whole, you know, the, the folder browsing is the is the classic example where, you know, people are used to a certain type of interface from software from a different era. And, and we're just saying, we think we can make Rune so much better than that experience that you don't even want that anymore. So that's an example of saying, no, we're not going to build that feature because that's going backwards. And we're trying to go forwards.
0: Mm-hmm. I got you. So final question, uh, as the owner of Rune, what advice do you have for other entrepreneurs looking to create innovative solutions in the tech and music industries?
1: I don't have advice about tech and music industry specifically. I I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's, it sounds really, really trite because everyone says it, but the the reality is that um, it's true. You, uh, you learn as an entrepreneur by failing. So the more you fail, the probably the smarter you are. Um, and I think it's tenacity more than anything, you know, having a vision, trying to get that out in front of an audience, finding out what's wrong with it, because inevitably there's stuff wrong with it. I mean, the Rune 1.0 is a great example. It was missing a hundred things that the audience desperately needed. And we kind of hadn't thought of, or we hadn't prioritized or whatever it was. And you, if you can respond to that audience and, and, you know, listen to them and give them what they need that's how you find success it's never. I mean it's not a slam dunk someone asked me recently it, it cracked me up you know the, how did you how did Rune become such an overnight success and I I you know it, it, nothing could be further from there was no overnight success at all it's a, it's a long slog of you know trying to do the right thing over and over again falling on your face getting up doing it again and you know refining as you go
0: I think that's crazy that you know people think it's overnight success because for a lot of us you guys have been around for quite some time you know so so that that's like
1: a long time from my perspective
0: Uh, you know and it's awesome and and i'm super happy that you guys have found great success and and are continuing to go on this upwards trend and i'm just excited to to see what you have in store for the for the coming years because i'm sure we're going to see a lot of cool stuff i mean i need now i need to try arc because I feel Absolutely. like I've been missing out on life right now because I've been able to access my music. So when did that? When did that actually uh, come out? The arc?
1: We shipped that in uh, mid September last year.
0: Okay, so I'm I'm not too far far behind. No, 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 no. no. I'm, I'm behind, but I'm not too far. Behind. No, not at all.
1: Not at all. Well,
0: I'll tell you what. You know, I know, I had a great time, um, you know, interviewing with you and and hanging out with you for a little bit, and I I'm really happy that you that you did this because I I, I know there's there's other options out there but you I think you've created the best option for for my for my for me and my audience so
1: well thank you thank that's
0: you. why I wanted to put you on and and show my audience that you know, there's, there's the, there are faces behind these companies. That's what people don't, people don't understand. They, they think, you know, it's just a company and, and I like, I like having the personality on so people can kind of vibe with you and say, okay, this guy's cool. He's got tons, tons of musical stuff behind him. I'm sure you're, I'm, I'm sure you're a musician just by looking at your room. Yeah. So. yeah
1: that, that was, that, that's, um, that's how it all started. But wait, yeah, so no, thank you, you so much for having me. This is great. I, I love having the opportunity to do this. This is really do, great.
0: Do you have a, a band or a group?
1: No, 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 no. I mean, I did, you know, back in ancient times, but I've, you know, I, I, I went to music school, I started off in recording studios, like I mentioned, um, I had an indie label back in the 90s, put out a bunch of records, um, and then ended up getting into software and, you know, with the sort of internet boom and, and so Rune, you know, this last sort of 20 years has been my, my opportunity to find the union between my love of music and my interest in technology. That's, that's really what this is.
0: Well, it looks like you've kind of blended both together, you know, that, that has been the goal. Yeah, absolutely. I'm only guessing you, you play the keyboards. I do. I do. Indeed. (laughs) All right on. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, man, like I said, it was a pleasure. So thank you for joining me. And I, you know, everybody, hope, hope everybody got something from this. I will put in the description below all the information about Rune and where to find it. So you guys can also check it out if you haven't checked it out yet. And yeah, we will just keep watching Rune and seeing what the next new thing comes out. So thank you. Thank you for joining us and we will see you next time.